When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. This is episode number 164, and thank you so much for joining me on this lovely fall Friday that we have here in New England. And it is getting colder and colder. I'm sitting here recording this episode with a hoodie on with the hood over my head because it's that chilly and I don't want the heat going right now because I don't want it to just hear it in the background. Obviously, as we get closer and further into the uh, the winter months, it's just going to be a nature of it. Hopefully, I can upgrade my office and my studio a little bit before then. However, I'm jumping ahead there. It does not matter right now. But what does matter right now is the Patriots. I'm not going to lie. They're shocking me. They're marginally impressing me, and they're three and three right now. They there's a bunch of four and two, three and three, and two and four teams across the league. So again, it's still fairly early, and we have to set aside the mediocrity that we're seeing in the league. But obviously, with your starting quarterback going down, you'll take three and three over. Obviously, what one and five that they could easily be, or two and four right now. So. There's a little bit to digest there as well with the recent wins of the Lions and, of course, the Browns. But before we get into that, before we get into that, hopefully you guys are having an excellent week and excellent end to your week. Hopefully you have some nice things planned this weekend um, with the fall weather here. Let's see. We'll check, check the weather real quick before we truly dive into today's episode. Supposed to be nice or no? Yeah, it's supposed to be 68 tomorrow, 61 with some rain on Sunday, and the Patriots play on Monday. They do not play on Sunday. They play Monday night against the Chicago Bears, which, of course, we will dive into later on in this episode. But before we talk any football, before we talk any football, I do want to talk Bruins real quick. And I know, oh, you're going to talk about the Bruins finally. Whoop-de-doo. Yes, I am going to talk about the Bruins finally because I've been pushing it off for a couple of episodes now. And I do want to mention that the Bruins have been very impressive early on. Now, again, it's early on, so we have to take it with a grain of salt until the season matures a little bit more and we can really see who are going to be the legitimate 
contenders and who are the pretenders. Like right now, we have the Sabres at three and one with six points. Also, right now, we have the Lightning one and three with two points. So we still have some time and waiting to do before we can really peg the Bruins somewhere in the Atlantic Division or at least somewhere in the Eastern Conference. But I am liking what I'm seeing right now. Obviously, to open the season, they are 4-1 and one in their five games played. No overtime losses currently sitting with eight points atop of the Atlantic Division. Atop of the Eastern Conference in general, with 23 goals for and 16 goals against. Man, that game against Ottawa was brutal. Giving up seven goals, really hindering your goal differential there. But hey, you know what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Jeremy Swayman didn't have it that night. It, it is what it is. Get it out now rather than in March and in April and May and hopefully even June. Just get it out now. It's all right. It's early in the season. You can kind of rebound. But hey, mentioned at the end of last episode, episode number 163, is Points are at a premium right now for the Bruins because, you know, you expect the Florida Panthers to be competitive. You expect the Lightning to be competitive, to be, you know, up there in the Atlantic division. But, you know, we may see a Sabres team get hot. We may see a Canadians team. Obviously, the Maple Leafs are a staple in contention. We just don't know yet because every year is absolutely different. And when you're running guys out there whose names aren't Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy, one of the best defensemen in the league, and one of the better scorers in our league, then you're going to need to scrape away wins. You're going to have to scrape away points. And so far, they've done exactly that. I mean, they could be sitting here 2-2 two and two or 1-3 and three right now at the bottom of the barrel. Oh, we'll just get by. We'll wait till our guys come back, and when they do, we'll go on a hot run. That's not guaranteed. Can it happen? Of course. We've seen it time and time again. We saw the Bruins do it last year. But if you're able to sit at like one, two, or three, you know, for the majority of the season for when Marshawn comes back and when McAvoy comes back, then you bring those guys into your lineup and you can, you know, have them out there on the ice night in and night out, that's a win because you obviously expect them to significantly help your current roster. But if your current roster can go out there and absolutely ball out for you, in the meantime, that's an absolute win. That's an absolute win, and you'll take that 10 out of 10 times. Again, Brad Marchand is your starting left winger. He is your first string left wing. Again, one of the premier scorers in the league. Charlie McAvoy, arguably one of the best defensemen in the league. And both, and well, McAvoy at least has you know, a nice big contract that he's going into. You want those guys out there. And unfortunately, they're currently not. But... If you're still able to string wins together and still able to rack up the points early in the meantime before they come back, imagine what you're going to, you know, let's say you're, I don't know what the timetable is, but let's just say they're first or second in the Atlantic division and you get one of those guys back. That's really going to bolster you and you won't have the pressure and the stress to have to climb up through the Atlantic division where you have teams like, let's say, the Maple Leafs, the Lightning, and the Panthers ahead of you. No, you just plug in, you know, one of those guys that comes back. Let's say Marshawn comes back first, and you can just go, and you can keep going, and you can maybe fight for home ice. Then you have the other. Let's just say it's McAvoy that comes back. Then you'll be able to plug him in, 
do what you're doing good, keep doing that, make small adjustments, then you can add one of the best defensemen in the league to an already excellent roster. If the Bruins can maintain this level of high play, again, it's only five game and it's five games and it's still early. But if they can maintain this level of play for when those two guys can come back. It's like you're getting superstar additions for nothing. And the Red Sox try to sit here and do this every damn time. Oh, we have Chris Sale coming back in July. That's like a trade deadline acquisition. No, that's not the case. It's a little different with baseball. It's a little different. But again, and then I know when's the trade deadline in, in hockey? Was it February, March? I think it's March. I want to say it's March, but I could be mistaken. And those guys are expected to come back before then. But still, who knows where the, Celt- uh, the Celtics, who knows where the Bruins are going to be? They'll probably still look to maybe make an addition or two, you know, come February, come March. But if you can play at a very high level, again, a top three seed in the Atlantic Division for when one of those guys comes back, then you can still play at that high level and then the other guy comes back. You're just going to put yourself in an excellent position moving forward, and I'm really excited for it. Jim Montgomery so far has been pretty good. Again, 4-1, hard to complain. Only complaint that I have is that, of course, 7-5 loss against the Ottawa Senators. But you know what? Let's put that on the back burner. Those kind of games are going to happen. I want to see the Bruins really, you know, they had a tough game uh, last night against the Anaheim Ducks. They did. You know, that was a game that you hate to lose, but you love to win. And I think the Bruins really dug their teeth down. They got up one nothing early. Then they gave up that uh, that goal back soon after. And then it was just a tooth and nail kind of a battle, back and forth, back and forth. And then they eventually went in shootouts, which historically they're not a good shootout team. So it was good to see them get that win there. But early, early thoughts on the Bruins so far. Definitely impressed. I like what they're doing. I do want to see more of it, of course. Hopefully this time next week. Who are they playing between now and then? They got the Minnesota Wild tomorrow here in Boston. Dallas Stars on Tuesday. Detroit Red Wings on Thursday. Should be three winnable games. That should be three winnable games. Hopefully we can sit here on uh, next week for episode 165. Excuse me. And we can talk about the Bruins having... I don't know, what is that, six points? 14 points, seven wins, and one loss. But again, early, early thoughts about the Bruins. Definitely want to revisit this conversation next week for sure. So, let's transition to football. Let's, where do we even start with football? Should I start with talking about the the AFC as a whole? I mean, I guess. I might as well. So, let's start there. Well, I'm already looking at it. So the Bills five and one as expected, Chiefs four and two as expected, but then you got a bunch of middling teams, and I don't mean to use middling as a kind of a bland or a, a term to kind of you know undermine you know that team's performance, but again, teams that are four and two are the Chargers and the Jets. Did we see that at all? Maybe the Chargers. But did we see the Jets? I don't think any of us saw the Jets being 4-2 through six weeks. However, they're playing excellent football, beating good teams. Is it sustainable? Who knows? Will they fall off? Who knows? Is it the young players? Is it the coaching? I mean, so many question marks. 
still need to be answered with that team. But so far, they're in a good spot right now. Better than the Patriots, that's for damn sure. The Chargers battling through injury, able to scrape up a 4-2 record. I mean, they're still minus 11 in the points differential. But they're a good team. They have good players on both sides, great players on both sides of the ball. So they're a team I definitely expect to be in the mix long term throughout the rest of the season. But again, let me rattle off teams that are 3 and 3, 3 and 2, uh 2 and 4 and just I'm going to count as well. So Titans 3 and 2, Ravens 3 and 3, Colts 3 2 and 1, Bengals uh 3 and 3, Dolphins 3 and 3, Patriots 3 and 3, Jags 2 and 4. Broncos 2 and 4, Browns 2 and 4, Steelers 2 and 4. That's 10 teams in the AFC that are 3 and 2, or I guess 3 2 and 1, you know, in the Colts case. 3 and 3 or 2 and 4. It's a very compact conference. That's exactly what we thought it was going to be. That's exactly what I expected it to be. There are at the beginning of the season 11 to you know what did I say? I say 14 teams could make the case to make the because I know I know I said 13 and I was like oh if the Browns had Watson for the whole year it would be 14 so let's just go 13 teams could ma- arguably make the playoffs I did not include the Texans I did not include the Jaguars I did not include the Jets the Jets are in the mix the Jags are two and four struggling as of late but have shown good play and the Texans are one three and one who who effing knows. But this conference, and then you have the Raiders at 1-4, and four, the dismal record. Their point differential is minus 5, and they're 1-4. and four. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild. They're 0-3 on the road, so there's, you know, your kind of, your reason why you can't win on the road. But there's a lot of good teams in this AFC. And we could play the same game with the NFC too, which I'll maybe do another time. But we could see any of these teams make the playoffs. The Bills, Chiefs, Titans, Ravens, Chargers, Jets, Colts, Bengals, Dolphins, Patriots, Jags, Broncos, Browns, and Steelers. That's 14 teams. The two teams that I did not list were the Texans and the Raiders. The Raiders obviously have playoff aspirations, so could they make a run and and fight their way back into that mix? Possibly. But as I'm looking at it now, I'm not going to include them just because they have the worst record in the AFC, and do they have the worst record in the NFC? Um, I'm only looking at the AFC. Oh, here's the NFC. Uh, the Lions are one and four, and the Panthers are one and five. So eh, not yet, not not the worst. But anyways, this is this conference is exactly what we expected it to be, and we cannot take it for granted. The Patriots do have some soft games um, that they've played as of late. Let me just pull up their schedule real quick. Um, da, 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 da. obviously people thought the Lions was going to be a cakewalk of a game and I've already expressed my feelings about that game the Browns game was 38-15 to 15, but again the Browns are still in the playoff mix that was a very good overall team win I would love to point out the fact that where? let me scroll down let me scroll down Nick Folk only had one field goal so it's but he had 8 points though but there was a ton, ton of PATs uh, let's see who scored. Tyquan Thornton scored a touchdown. Hunter Henry scored a touchdown. Tyquan Thornton scored a rushing touchdown, and Ramondre Stevenson scored two rushing touchdowns. So the big difference between the Lions' week and last week against the Browns is the offense was able to capitalize. 
they were able to take the ball, whether the defense got a stop or, you know, they just received a punt or even a kickoff, and they were able to march down the field and score ample touchdowns. They scored, how many touchdowns was that? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, five touchdowns. Yeah, that's what I thought. That is a significant improvement from the Lions week. And that is something I'm looking forward to carry over into this week against the, where is it? Where? The Chicago Bears, which of course I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But still, Patriots offense, big step up. So could we, and we know that their defense is, is playing pretty well. Their defense is playing pretty well, you know, generally speaking, over the course of the season. If I can just pull it up, boom, boom, boom. I know I should just keep the schedule open. They gave up 20 to the Dolphins, 14 to the Steelers, 37, which is by far their worst game, to the Ravens, 27 to the Packers, then 0 to the Lions, and 15 to the Browns. I would expect the defense to play very well against the Chicago Bears, with you know Justin Fields possibly having injuries, lack of star players, that offensive line sucks. Just a many different reasons why that the Patriots defense should play well. But then next week, not to look ahead, not to jump ahead. We got the Jets, Colts, Jets, Vikings, Bills. Then you can talk about the Cardinals if you want. So there's gonna be some games that this defense is gonna have to ball out and show us that they're that good. Do I have faith and confidence in it? Marginal, but I'm definitely paused on it. I'm definitely paused. But the last two weeks have been very, very good. I'm not going to lie. But we could talk about how some teams are either underperforming, overperforming, or, you know, just waiting to pop off or haven't done it yet. I mean, the Bengals, 3-3. Three and three. Did we expect them to be 3-3? Three and three? No, we expected them to be 4-2, and 5-1, and one, one of those teams. Same thing with the Colts. We expected them to be 4-1. Are five and one, four and two. Then you got the Jets, who are four and two. Who, no, 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 no one expected them to be four and two. We probably expected them to be two and four, one and five. Luckily, luckily, three and three at best. So there's so much happening in the AFC, and I could talk about every single team, if you really want me to, and say, hey, here's a here's a path to the playoffs for them, but here's a path where they could absolutely fall off a cliff. And I don't see that happening with the Bills or the Chiefs. But I could make a case for every other team. Like, oh, here's a path for the Titans to fall off. Here's a path for the Ravens to fall off. You know, if Lamar gets injured, well, kiss their season goodbye. If Herbert gets injured for the 4-2 and two Chargers, kiss their season goodbye. This conference, I tried to tell you guys at the beginning of the season, is very, very good. And it is absolutely showing out. And real quick, I'm not going to dive into it all too, too, too much. But the NFC is very good in their own right. 6-0 and Eagles, 5-1 and Vikings, 5-1 and Giants, 4-2 and Cowboys. Then you got teams like the Buccaneers who are 3-3. Three and three. You got the Rams that are 3-3, three and three, the Packers 3-3. Three and three. So a lot of these Super Bowl favorites entering the beginning of the season, or at least NFC favorites, are 3-3. Three and three. And that's what? But you got the Eagles 6-0, the Vikings 5-1, the Giants 5-1. Very oddly confusing. But then you got a couple surprise teams as well. The Falcons 3-3, three three. the Cardinals 3-3. Three three. You know, the Commanders and the Bears are both 2-4 who are not that far out. 
So it's a very interesting dilemma that we're seeing, not just in the AFC, but the NFC as well. So across the NFL is there's a lot of good surprising teams that may live up to that that early surprise, or they may fall out like the Falcons or the Seahawks. No one would be surprised if they fall on their face and finish 6-11, and right? No one would be. But again... We would be surprised if the Seahawks go 10 and 7 and squeak in as a wild card. Or hell, I mean 10 and 7 right now, everyone in that division is 3 and 3, so they might even be able to win the division with 10 and 7. It's a very interesting year so far this year. Very unpredictable year, whether you're just looking at football as a pure standpoint, as a, you know, who's going to make it and who's not going to make the playoff standpoint, fantasy standpoint, not talking about fantasy. Screw that. But yeah, it's very exciting, and I absolutely love it. It makes it very hard to pick parlays. It makes it very hard to pick survival teams. But it's not just, all right, it's Tom Brady, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's the Bills, it's the Chiefs, and we'll see you in the conference championship round. Like, no, like, you know, we could see the Eagles go on a nice little run here. We could see the Vikings go on a run here. You know, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are struggling without Devontae Adams. So that Vikings team could sit back and make serious noise, which no one probably expected. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at uh, did I have them as a playoff team? 2022 NFL predictions. Oh, I did not. I had the Packers still winning the North, but I did not have them as a wild card team. Oh, but I did have the Eagles and 49ers as wild card teams. So that's yeah, still possible. That is still possible. Oh, I have the Raiders as a playoff team. Oof. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Okay. I was just looking back at my predictions from... The early September, and I just I do not like that at all. That is, yikes. But I mean, some of the other picks, you know, potential, potential. But anyways, so I'm excited for the rest of the season this year. And obviously, I'll kind of do recaps here and there throughout the season. But through six games, or I guess I should say, the start of week seven, I'm definitely excited for. It. You know, we're like a third of the way through the season. Absolutely excited, and cannot wait to see what's ahead. But let's do jump to. Uh, I do before I get into the whole Patriots and Bears, you know, preview. 
we have a big debate on our hands here in New England. A massive debate. Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones? A great conversation because of the way that Bailey Zappi has performed in his two starts and obviously his you know fill-in game against the Packers. But here's an article from Yahoo Sports by Jordan McElroy. This came out yesterday, uh, yesterday morning, and I want to read it. It's titled, Patriots Reportedly Make Decision on Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi as Starter. Obviously, with the game on Monday, it gives Mac Jones an extra day's rest for that ankle. But I did see a video of him this morning running and jogging on the practice field. So I do have high hopes that he is ready to go. And before I get into this article, if Mac Jones is 100%, start him. If he's not, then, you know, let's have a discussion. Mac Jones is expected to be available to play in the New England Patriots upcoming Monday night football clash with the Chicago Bears. But assuming he is ready to suit up for the Patriots, what does that mean for rookie backup quarterback Bailey Zappi? Zappi mania has been running wild over the last few weeks after the fourth round pick nearly toppled Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field before leading the Patriots to -to back-to-back wins over the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns. In fact, the offense has been playing so much better that some have even bought into the idea of there being a legitimate quarterback controversy in New England. Could Zappi really supplant Jones as the starter as the starter after playing in only three games? Nope, that's not happening according to the Athletics Jeff Howe. By a tweet on October 20th, so also yesterday, there is no quarterback controversy in New England. When Mac Jones is healthy enough to return to play, he'll be the starter per sources at The Athletic. The sample size from Zappi isn't large enough to remove Jones as a starter. Granted, it wasn't exactly a smooth start for the second-year signal caller, but he is coming off a Pro Bowl season in a year where he looked like a future franchise quarterback on the rise. The loss of Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator, along with the shaky offensive line play, and shuffled coaching staff have all contributed to those struggles. With the offensive line playing better and Matt Patricia having a better handle of the offensive play calling, the sky really is the limit for Jones under center. So here, excuse me, here's my two thoughts. I want to break this thing down. You know, we had no idea Bailey Zappi was going to be played this well. And after that first game against the Packers, Although it was still a loss, but an impressive loss because he didn't lose us that game at all. If anything, he almost won us that game. People were already calling for Zappi to take over as a starting quarterback. They were already calling for Mac Jones' head. Guys, Mac Jones is the same guy that we were excited about last year. Yes, the offensive line sucked at the beginning of the season. Yes, the play calling sucked at the beginning of the season. But the team, the offense as a whole didn't look as good as it did as it does now. I do believe that Matt Patricia Matt Patricia has a better handle of the offensive play calling, and I do believe that the offensive line has significantly improved. And I want to see Mac Jones with those improvements before I'm sitting here saying, Bailey Zappi should be the starter, screw Mac Jones, trade him now. Let's see what Mac Jones looks like with Tyquan Thornton, with an improved offensive line, with an improved play calling by Matt Patricia. I mean, there's a lot of good things to point to in both games. 
since, well, I don't want to count the Green Bay Packers game, but in both games that Bailey Zappi has started and won. I know you guys know how I feel about that 29 nothing win over the Lions. But hey, they were still able to put up 29 points. I know on the flip side, right? They still scored a touchdown. They were able to move the ball enough to get into field goal range. And the defense played well. Defense has played well the past two weeks as well. So that is another component. Whereas Mac Jones' last game, uh, let me pull up the schedule. Mac Jones' last game, his defense gave up 37 points. And that offense was able to put up 26 points. Right? So it's like, let's just pump the brakes on calling Bailey Zappi the replacement starter and the long-term starter. And, and, you know, hold on getting Mac Jones out of town. Just let's hold on. He's a fourth-round pick for a reason. I will say he's been impressive, yes. And I already sat here explaining, you know, his career number, his collegiate numbers, who he played, da 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 all that good stuff. But what if, what if Mac Jones comes in and he plays well? Okay? Or, how about this, Juicy, what if Mac Jones doesn't play well and he gets replaced by Bailey Zappi and Bailey Zappi then sucks? Like, we really have to consider this. You know, people are, are sitting here calling it the the Bledsoe and Brady situation, which I think that is far from that at all. Yes, Mac Jones is a first-round pick. Yes, Drew Bledsoe just inked a, what was it, a 10-year contract at the time? I forget what the contract length was, maybe like an 8-year contract, whatever. It was It was like the first $100 million contract, I think, in football, actually, uh, that year or the year before. So I see some relevance, but there's absolutely no relevance at all. Mac Jones isn't making $100 million on, on his rookie deal. That's, that's just not a fact. I look at this situation more like the Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott situation down in Dallas. You have your franchise starter in Dak Prescott goes down. Your backup, Cooper Rush, comes in, plays well. Not great, but plays well enough to win a bunch of games. But no matter what Cooper Rush does, no matter what he does, when Dak is ready to come back, Dak is the starter. Simple as that. Couldn't couldn't say it any more simple than that. When Dak comes when Dak is ready to come back, he is the starter. And when Dak's 100%, he is the starter. And until then, they're going to go with Cooper Rush because he was winning and he was looking pretty good. And I think the Patriots are having that same approach. Could they have rushed Mac Jones back last week against the Browns? Sure, probably. But they had their fourth-round rookie quarterback look pretty damn good. So they were going to buy their future, hopefully, in Mac Jones, their first-round pick in Mac Jones, a little bit more time. And let's see what this kid can do. If Bailey Zappi lost against the Browns, you can bet your ass that Mac Jones was going to be announced as starter probably Monday morning. But since he won, it kind of causes a little debate. However, Mac Jones is still a first-round pick. He's still the future of this team. When he is 100%, he will be back under center. Now, the difference between that Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi and Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady is that Bledsoe, yes, was the starter. He was a veteran, yes. Yes, he just signed a big-time extension. However, he had he got lit up where he... he didn't he um, a lung collapse? Drew Bledsoe injury. 
Bledsoe was diagnosed with a lung injury that sidelined him for a month. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Ex-Patriots quarterback Drew Bledsoe said Mo Lewis hit could have killed, could have killed him. I mean, it's really something. Like, Bledsoe recently told the Dan Pat, when, when was this article? I know, I'm kind of going way off the rails. I don't even have a date. Oh, October 20th of last year, or November 20th of last year. Bledsoe told the Dan Patrick show that the hit would have killed him if he didn't go to the hospital after the game. Bledsoe said that there wasn't all Bledsoe. Bledsoe said that he wasn't all there after the hit and that he had a pretty serious concussion in addition to internal stuff. Quote, after the game, I tried to go home. Thankfully, the doctors didn't let me do that, Bledsoe said. If they let me go home, I would have died. I was bleeding about a liter an hour internally. By the time they got me to the hospital, I was out and they took a lot of blood out of my body. Thankfully, they were able to recycle my blood and put it back in so they didn't have to open my chest up, but it was pretty it was pretty touch and go for a while. Gigantic difference. Gigantic difference between a sprained ankle, granted a high sprained ankle, a lung injury, a concussion, internal bleeding, and a potential chance of death. Gigantic difference. Yes, Drew, Ble- uh, Drew, I keep wanting to say Drew Brees. Oh, my God. There's a couple Saints fans that come to the shop, and I just keep keep talking about Drew Brees. Drew Bledsoe missed about, what was it, two months of that season? And we didn't know the timetable for Drew Bledsoe. We had no idea if he was going to miss the rest of the season. We had no idea if he was never going to play football again. We have no idea what Tom Brady was going to do. We had no idea what kind of play we were going to get from a sixth-round quarterback the year prior. But he looked good. And yes, Bill Belichick was not afraid to go away from his $100 million quarterback, the Patriots' firm, former first-round, first-overall pick, Andrew Bledsoe. But again, he was an aging veteran who, yes, has played, who did play very well, but he wasn't winning or doing anything spectacular. He wasn't winning MVPs. He wasn't throwing for, I guess at the time, you know, 4,000 passing yards would be quite impressive. But it just goes off the fact that these are completely different situations. Mac Jones is in year two. Mac Jones is out for just a couple of weeks. Mac Jones hasn't proven to be what he is. We still don't know what his ceiling is. Mac Jones could be you know exactly what the Patriots offense needs for the next 10 years. We don't know that. If Mac Jones was in year five, year six, whatever, and something like this happened, and Bailey Zappi looked this good, then fine, we can have a, t- a conversation about replacing him because now we can look at Mac Jones as, well, he's not doing anything. He's not winning us games. He's losing us games, if anything. He's not putting up the stats that we want him to. He's just not panning out. Let's mix it up and let's actually get a change in, in under center. Nope. It's just completely different situations. Look at it more as Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush rather than Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. That's all I'm going to say, and I think that's a fair assessment, uh, fair comparison between the three types of injury, uh, the three quarterback changes due to injury that we've seen. No matter how well Cooper Rush is playing, Dak Prescott was going to be the starter when he returns, and it looks like he's returning Sunday. No matter how well Bailey Zappi plays, Mac Jones should and will be the starter upon his return, and it looks like it's going to be Monday night against the Chicago Bears. Tom Brady, no matter how well he played, 
he was not guaranteed to be the starter upon Drew Bledsoe's return. He wasn't. But he played exceptional, exceptionally well football, winning football, and again, he was what's best for the team. Could Bailey Zappi be best for the team compared to Mac Jones? We have no idea. That's why I want to see Mac Jones with the new offensive line playing well, with the new play calling being well. Let's just see what Mac Jones looks like post-injury first. That's all. Give him a few weeks. If he sucks, then let's just talk about, you know, then we can talk about Zappi over Mac Jones. We can have that conversation if Mac Jones underperforms in a couple weeks. But let's not jump ahead of ourselves with a couple weeks kind of talk. Let's talk about the Bears and the Patriots game coming up on Monday night football. The Chicago Bears visiting the New England Patriots for the conclusion of week seven. What are the three things that I am looking for in that game? Number one is obviously going to be the return of Mac Jones. I want to see what he looks like on that ankle. I want to see if he's able to step in and throw the ball. I want to see him really perform well like we expected him to coming into the season. Hopefully he can clean up the mistakes that he had at the beginning of the season. I want to see a lot of Mac Jones. I will have my expectations tailored a little bit towards Hey, he's just coming back from injury. We don't really know what he's going to look like since he's missed three weeks. But again, it's against the Bears, lackluster defense. I do believe Mac Jones can look good, especially with, again, the improvements of the offensive line, the improvements of the offensive play calling. I really do see Mac Jones having a potential good return game. Number two that I want to look for is the defense. Can the good defensive play carry over from their shutout win against the Lions to their 15-point game against the Browns and see what they can do against Justin Fields and the Bears. The Bears are no electric offense by any means, but Justin Fields is an electric player. What was it on... When did he last play? Did he play Thursday night? Yeah, he played Thursday night against the... Was it against the Commanders? Yeah, it was against the Commanders. And he almost ran for, I think, 90 yards, almost 100 yards. I mean, this dude is very, very good on the ground with his own legs. Drop back in the pocket, not there. He goes and he can pick up big yards and big chunks. So you weren't able to contain Lamar Jackson. Will you be able to contain Justin Fields? Will you be able to keep that, you know, suffocating defense against this Bears team who does not have the greatest of weapons? They don't have a Mark Andrews. They don't have an Amon Ross St. Brown. They don't have... Uh, who else have you played this year? Um, I'm trying to think. Who else? Other good receivers have you played this year? They don't have a Tyree Kill. They don't have a Jalen Waddle. So, yeah, they have Darnell Mooney. They do have Cole Komet. But these guys are good. They're not on those other guys' level. And I'm really excited to see what this defense can do in an extra day's worth of preparation for the Patriots. Uh, for the Bears, excuse me. In their offense. I'm really excited to see what the Patriots defense will look like. Be a very good test. You're getting an assortment of quarterbacks here through the first seven weeks of the season. Scramblers, pocket guys, goats, rookies. I mean, my goodness, you're getting it all. Uh, wait, have they got, did they get a rookie this year? Uh, did they get a rookie this year? No, they didn't get a rookie this year. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, you haven't gotten a rookie yet, so that is a-okay for me. Anyways, the th number three, or the third thing that I'm looking for in this game against the Bears is, is going to be the offense. I not not just the offense as a whole, 
But I want to see what the receivers can do. You know, the receivers look like they were playing a little bit better with Bailey Zappi, creating more separation, be able to catch the ball and run after the catch. Obviously, I don't want Nelson Aguilar to effing fumble the ball. But I want to see what the receivers can do. Can they create separation? The Bears do have some decent playmakers. You know, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson. Obviously, you have Roquan Smith, but he's a linebacker. But I want to be able to see what these receivers can do. Can they continue to create separation? Can they continue to make plays after the catch? Will they continue to be able to march down the field like they have been against the Browns and against the Lions to some degree? So yeah, those are the three things that I'm looking for. Mac Jones in his return. Defense being able to continue their great play into a third consecutive week. Slow down Justin Fields, of course. And the number three thing is the receivers. Will they be able to, again, create that separation, make plays downfield, make plays after the catch, etc., etc.? So that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. A fairly short episode, yes. But those were the only uh, topics that I really wanted to talk about in today's episode, and we were able to really fly through it and just bang it out in not even 40 minutes, which is actually really exciting. Obviously, I'm going to talk about the Bruins next week. I do want to dabble with the Celtics next week as well, just to give their season uh, a couple more games. I mean, they've only played one game, so what am I supposed to say about one game? Good win against the 76ers, who I think will take a step back this year. But they'll be a good team, but I think they'll take a step back. So, yay, what else is there to talk about? So hopefully, you know, this time next week, they'll have a couple more games under their belt, and we can kind of you know, reflect and react to those uh, couple games to start off the season. But yes, thank you guys so much for downloading, listening, and joining Murph's Boston Sports Talk on audio platforms, if that's where you're listening. Please make sure you download, listen, and enjoy, as I greatly appreciate it if you're listening to this podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, anywhere you can listen to your podcasts, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So I really appreciate your support by downloading, listening, and enjoying. If you listen to this episode on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on this video. Please make sure you smash the thumbs up button if you if you did enjoy it. Leave all comments down below in the comment section as I can't wait to read and reply to those. And also, if you're new or haven't considered subscribing, please hit that giant red subscribe button. I would greatly appreciate the love and support that way. You can find me on social media at Murph's Card Town, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook at Murph's Card Town. But thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I will catch you next week for episode number 165. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you and I will always, always see you. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.